Hey there, welcome to the Brave New Workforce. Uh, if memory serves, my name is Trip O'Dell. It's been a while since I've been here on the podcast uh, with my lovely co-hosts, Larry Cornette and Anna Kadena. How are you guys doing today? Good. It sounds so nice to hear your voice in a clear setting and not robot <laughs> town. He's not, he's not robotic today. It's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been technology's been a challenge in this move across country. I'm uh, literally, but your uh, fashion sense is still on point, Trip. Look at that sleeveless sweater vest. Yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes, and I'm here with my fancy equipment, camping out in a bedroom uh, in the middle of nowhere. Well. Okay. I'm camping out here in a bedroom in a lovely home that my parents have uh, here in the mountains of That's Pennsylvania. That's a good answer. <laughs> uh, connected via my Wi-Fi hotspot on my phone because it has line of sight to the horizon because we have about one megabit of connectivity where we are here in oh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, it's been, Zoom has been lovely. So that, Speaking that of Zoom... Of, yeah, yeah. Say, it kind of leads into our topic today. Exactly. That was by design, guys. That's, oh, wow. That's, that's, called, that's called a mastermind right? we're here. Getting be- we're getting better at this as we go. <laughs> oh, uh, really? So, yeah. Talk today to Ryan about that. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, at first we had Zoom fatigue uh, and then we have Zoom school. What is the newest uh, Zoom flavored candidate for uh, Miriam Webster uh, this year, Larry? Uh, sadly, it is Zoom Towns. <laughs> Zoom Towns. Not Boom Towns, Zoom Towns. And Can I just what? say, like, on a marketing perspective, Zoom is just cleaning up, is it not? Like, <laughs> Yeah, you'd think that they would have more money to invest in their user experience. Oh. But I'm... Dumping some Haterade. It's, I, Zoom is not my favorite <laughs> tool. But it is the uh, it is the thing that apparently society runs on now. So, yeah, so Larry, now, now. jumping back to the topic, what is a Zoom town specifically? Yeah, it's interesting. So it's these are towns that normally have been vacation destinations that you know, like uh, Truckee, California, the Hamptons, Cape Cod, Aspen, places where sometimes people might even have a second home. But LaPorte, they definitely go for vacation. Where I, where I, I haven't I heard Pennsylvania or Nebraska. <laughs> no, no Nebraska. Uh, I grew up in Nebraska. I can say that. Yeah. So they're basically people who are kind of doing what, what I did a few years ago is looking at the opportunity to live in a place where they typically treat it as a vacation destination and they've enjoyed spending time. And now with uh, the pandemic and everybody working remotely and in California in particular, we've had lots of forest fires that have made the coast pretty unlivable with the smoke uh, in San Francisco and the Bay Area and so forth. And even Portland and Seattle have had some trouble with this. So people are leaving the coast and leaving the big cities and relocating to these Zoom towns, these vacation spots that are really beautiful, but not really set up to have this huge influx of people coming in. You know, it's, it's funny. I'm joking. I was joking a lot about the internet connectivity and I'm, I'm in, uh, right now I'm staying in the most rural part of Pennsylvania, Sullivan County, Pennsylvania. It's beautiful here. I'm watching the leaves change uh, outside the window. Um, but one of the things that they've invested in, and I, I hit it a year too early is that their Comcast is running fiber optic up the mountain here. 
uh, and we are going to have gigabit connectivity up here in a county. I think uh, the county seat is just across the road and it has 360 year round residents, right? So, but the, the real estate here has gone bananas. Lots of people live it because we're about three or four hours from New York city. We're about three hours from Philadelphia, uh, about five hours from Washington DC or Baltimore. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot, a lot of cities that you could commute fairly easily to. And that's what I'm doing right now in my current job is a couple times a week, I'm driving three hours down, staying overnight or doing the six hour round trip uh, after a day of meetings to come back up here. And that's because I'm technically homeless. Like we've sold our house in Seattle and we have an offer in on a place in Pennsylvania, but we can't put our kids anywhere. It's challenging, but I think that is something that is definitely happening. And if you talk to a real estate agent, it's crazy everywhere. Yes. They're, they're saying that the market's up in these areas, like 24%. Another estimate was like 54%. Um, I believe it. Um, we're not quite in the same location as Truckee, but I'm already seeing tons of people moving up here from the Bay area. Houses are being put on the market. Three of my friends have moved in this neighborhood up here. Um, their houses were on the market for barely a week and they had five to seven offers and they closed like in a couple of weeks, which is unheard of. So it's, it's definitely happening. People said it would, some people denied that it would happen. It's happening. And it's interesting because I mean, there are, there's people talking about when this is over and let's just examine that reality for, for, for one minute or two. If this, if this does end, let's say in 2021, in the middle of June or whatever, it's, what does that mean? Do they just sell their houses out in the country and move back into the city? Um, It's kind of like a reversible decision, right? It's not necessarily like people can just go back to quote unquote, the before times, the normal. You can't, you can't. I mean, when I was looking at moving up here and leaving the Bay area, in selling our home, I had some friends that said, you know, once you leave, you can never come back. You know, this this whole kind of weird Logan's Run like thing. If you leave, if you leave the dome, you can't come back in. Uh, and it's true. Very few people ever come back. Um, because once you sell your property or sell kind it's of a your permanent stake, decision. Yeah, it's you can't buy your way back in. I mean, you could, but who would want to do that? I think you adjust. I mean, I, I've definitely adjusted. Um I've never even considered that I would go back. You change the way that you live. And now that we have all these uh, remote opportunities and more companies are embracing it completely full time, you don't have to go back. Um, Yeah, I see a lot of people that basically have, once they've made peace with it and adjusted to their new life, they realize how much time they have back, how much freedom, the lifestyle's better. And they're like, yeah, even if I could, I don't want to. What happens? Because, I mean, I know there's companies kind of kicking the can down the road saying, oh, we'll be back uh, to normal in uh, June or July or whatever. And like everybody will be back into the office. Um, what are your thoughts on on some of that and like how you guys are like how, how are companies going to like navigate this if, if half of their remote or half of their team isn't even living in the in the area anymore? Like what? what are what are companies going to do are they just going to fire a bunch of people or how how does that work so i think companies are going to wake up to the fact that um whether they want to accept the fact or not that they actually 
work within a market economy, they love capitalism until it works against them. Right. So when, when, you know, it's, it's like normal, the new normal is really what the market dictates normal is. Uh, so, you know, you see this with big social changes, big social movements over the years, like things like gay marriage, right? Gay marriage was like, it was never going to happen until all of a sudden it did, right? It became the law of the land and, and it, it became economically undesirable for companies to like make this sort of discrimination. And it just sort of cascaded and happened slowly at first. And then all of a sudden, I think when you've taken these people that, look, you have to have a certain degree of portability and wherewithal, like financial wherewithal to just say, well, I'm selling my house in San Francisco and I'm moving to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, right? If you're at that level of your career or if you're a high paid engineer at Google and you say you want to move back to Lansing, Michigan or, you know, wherever, Ann Arbor, um, they will follow you. They will they will accommodate you because they want that level of talent and they were going to discover that it's cheaper. There's a lot of these companies that have erected these temples to their own greatness, you know, called office parks that they're going to find that will be used some way, somewhere else, but the talent, they're going to have to go where the talent is going and where the talent demands to live. Yeah. And I, I think things have changed. I mean, I, I originally tried to do this back in 9091, believe it or not. Uh, I'd been in Silicon Valley for a little while and I, I wanted to move somewhere more remote. And we looked into some places in the Rockies and we got to the point where we were just about ready to make some offers on some homes, but the internet just wasn't there yet. I mean, as you're talking about Trip, imagine now back in 9091 and it was so spotty, so terrible. I was like, there's no way. I can continue to do the consulting I was doing without some viable form of connection. Um, so we kind of retreated from that and, um, yeah, the market crashed and everybody kind of went crazy, but it, it failed then. But what's different now is we are seeing a penetration of high speed internet way beyond what we had <laughs> back in 91 and the tools. So as much as we have issues with zoom and slack and, and all these other tools, uh, they are, they are everywhere. They're pervasive, uh, and they do work. And as we were hearing from Ryan Cooter, who we talked with from TechStars, they're investing well, we, in we startups. We attempted to talk to him. <laughs> we attempted to. <laughs> Some uh, of us. Again, connection issues, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, there's a whole crop of new startups coming that are trying to fix these problems because for the first time, and we've talked about this before, we're all living it. This isn't a few isolated designers, engineers, and folks that are working remotely. Everybody from the CEO down is working remotely for the first time in the entire company. And they've all said, oh, this sucks. <laughs> we, we need to fix this. I don't feel connected to my team. I'm worried about maintaining culture. Um, there's all kinds of issues with dropped stuff and frozen frames and Zoom. So I think the, the genie's out of the bottle. The investments are already starting. Companies are spending time making us a better experience. And we are, you know, by and large, when we talk about this industry, it's, you know, they're knowledge workers. They don't literally have to be in an office and looking at each other to get work done. It's different now. Yeah, I think it also creates a ton of opportunities. Um, you know, we've been talking, you know, the three of us have known each other for a while. We talk offline as well. And one of my mantras is that small is the new big. You know, people talk about the Amazons and the Googles and that sort of thing. But the company that I work with now, 
um, here in Pennsylvania, we're here to, it, it's a logistic, it's a delivery logistics company that is helping small and medium sized businesses. And I spend a lot of my time talking to customers about how to modify the way that they work to survive the next shutdown that is coming. Like it's already spiking big time across the Midwest where it's gotten colder. It's going to hit other parts like restaurants, retailers, these sorts of things. But these investments in infrastructures, these rethinking of how you solve old problems like school or solve old problems like getting food to people when they want it, or what can you do with a restaurant when you can't open it? Like that necessity breeds invention. Uh, and I think that's where you're going to see a lot of innovation. You're going to have infrastructure things like more investment in broadband, but then what you do with that and what it allows small entrepreneurs to do with it, I think is super interesting. And that's actually the thing that I'm most interested in seeing coming out of this, because right now I can't put my kids in school because I can't demonstrate that we're in a school district, but all those school districts are remote anyway. So why does it matter where my kids are sitting? Right. And, and it becomes like, those are problems. And the ed tech infrastructure isn't there. The companies that are doing ed tech aren't there yet. That's a huge opportunity. How do you create those sorts of solutions to work in a modern age where we don't all sit in the same neighborhood? So, I mean, the thing that we haven't really mentioned or talked much about is the dark side of this, which is what's the impact to these communities. And I'm in one of those communities. Um, we're already starting to see it. They've been talking about the impact of Truckee and some of these other communities with this huge influx of people with with money. They're selling a home in a market where they get a lot of cash for their house. You know, they they get one point five million for a house, then they come up here and they can buy something for six hundred thousand, and they just make an all cash offer, or they go way over asking, which is happening. So initially, it seems great, you know, for the people who are selling their homes. But as this is coming into this community, it's spiking the cost of living in these communities. The infrastructure is not ready, you know, for sure. They've been talking about the their fear with the hospitals not being able to keep up with a rise in COVID cases because a lot of people coming from the urban area into Truckee uh, and yeah, COVID spikes. And so now what? Um, it's uh, it's an interesting dilemma because it's, it's affecting on both sides. So these communities now have this issue, this influx of people coming in, but now we're hearing that apartment rentals are an all-time low. You know, the the prices are dropping. People are leaving the apartments. Uh, they can't afford. They're moving back in with their parents. I mean, a lot of stuff is happening. They call this the K-shaped recovery, where it's great for some people, it's terrible for other people. So the inner cities are starting to collapse. San Francisco's having huge issues. LA is having huge issues. You know, and if you look at a place like you know Costa Rica, Anna. What happens when now you know it starts here and people are like, okay, I'm going to buy a home in Truckee. But as this continues, some people are starting to say, well, what if I just leave the States entirely? What if I go to a tropical destination that I've enjoyed for vacation and move there permanently? What happens when a bunch of Americans dump themselves into Costa Rica? Well, I mean, everybody has the dream of like retiring on a beach, but they don't really realize some of the uh, cultural impacts that can have like going to a country where you don't it's speak a lot the language. of sand in your underwear <laughs> that's the reality <laughs> and monkeys we keep we keep forgetting to mention monkeys yeah double yeah. slapping monkeys, monkeys. yeah <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> i mean uh you see with some of the um 
the retirees, you know, they burn out within a year or two because they aren't used to, you know, getting their getting shipments like medicine that they're used to getting in the United States off via Amazon or whatever cannot necessarily arrive on time in Costa Rica. And if you do, you pay, like I was telling Larry earlier today, I, I had a product sent to me for my birthday. I, it was a value of $8 and 50 cents. And I got charged $30 to receive this item. And this was supposed to be That's like, a, this yeah. was a gift, yeah. you know, and these are things that people don't realize and that can completely ruin their Pura Vida experience because they're like, well, in America, I'm like, yeah, well, you're in Latin America now, baby. So you got to adjust a little bit to those uh, cultural differences. <laughs> I like that. Yankee you're in my go America home. now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh <laughs> it's it's funny. I think the other thing too is housing stock. Like there's just been this massive shift, and the suburbs have been declining. I mean, it was it was two years ago. You know, people were their stock and trade was going around the world giving talks around the reemergence of cities and and the death of the suburbs and how it was unsustainable and the death of rural communities. And this has flip flopped it. And one of the biggest challenges and I've lived this the last couple of weeks where I'm spending 15 20 hours on the road just trying to get to look at houses before they sell and my wife and I we when we move someplace we tend to blitz an area and we'll see like 15 houses in a weekend uh, and then and then buy one and we'd have to nickname them I was seriously considering buying a house called fart Manor you know because it was like it, it, it had good bones but there was a Sounds lot lovely <laughs> there was a lot going on with that and i'm lucky enough to have the tools and skills to be able to fix that up but it's like at my age do i want to take that on along with having three kids and everything else but it's the housing stock isn't there and that has a cascading effect and there's all these new housing starts that are happening it's great for the construction industry but that stuff is going to get slapped together and whenever you have that kind of a boom like after World War II, you don't want to buy a house that was built in the 50s because they were slapped together really cheap, right? And that's kind of what's going to happen now, right? Is that you get all these people that are buying in houses and it's it's going to have this cascading effect over the years. It's, it's going to be really interesting to watch. Yeah, I do wonder if what we were describing, I mean, a number of episodes ago was that we'll start to see more of these other centers kind of building up and becoming hubs themselves. So it won't be the isolated onesie twosie. Here's a few people that are injecting themselves into the community or a whole bunch of different remote workers aren't really part of the community. They're working for different companies, but we'll start to see a resurgence of companies being founded in those locations. So it really does have a positive impact on the community because it starts to create jobs. But it has to go bigger than tech. I mean, it has to be like the, the you know, whether the corporations are setting up their benefits or their perks or whatever, they've got to work with local small companies and entrepreneurs that are trying to scale up. You know, there has to either be tax incentives or something because it can't be like all we're doing is spreading out the income divide. You know, you don't want to be like a vacation town where you have the summer people and then you have everyone else that lives there year round and it's sort of hard scrabble or they're working five jobs over the course of the year to make ends meet that can't work we have to look at a better way to have this shift work right. for more people yeah yeah, yeah. that's that absolutely was, true there's a documentary on netflix that i watched recently called american factory 
And it's basically, it was a GM factory that was shut down in this small community. And a lot of the workers there were getting paid uh, like $30 an hour. And this billionaire Chinese guy comes in and he does manufacturing for uh, all the windshields for all the car manufacturing. So Toyota, um, Lexus, I mean, Toyota is part of Lexus, but car companies. And um, he was paying his workers like $12 an hour. Um, And they were like, oh, they interviewed a couple of them and they were so grateful in the beginning to get a job because one of one of them was working, uh, looking for a job for a year and a half. He wasn't working for a year and a half. And another one, she she had to move in her sister's basement and had literally no furniture to her name and lost everything. And she was looking for a job for about two, three, four years. So imagine if companies, if they had more opportunity to train those people. I mean, they seem like diligent, hard workers. They just didn't have the skill sets or um, they had completely the drive. They were so grateful that this Chinese guy came in and gave uh, about a thousand, two thousand Americans in that community a job. Whereas before GM, I think they only gave it was like less than five hundred people worked at GM. So imagine he doubled, tripled uh, the 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 workforce in that small community, and what that can do for if more entrepreneurial spirit came in and invested in the economy, invested in the people who that have these low quote unquote low minimum wage jobs but can be turned into like tech jobs or um, remote jobs where there isn't a safety issue um, and they're not getting their fingers cut off at this, at this like Chinese factory. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say that ties back to our educational stuff. We keep talking about that. We, we think of education as being for children, which obviously it is. And there's a whole part of your life that you are being educated as a child to enter the working world at some point. But because of the pace of change and what's been happening with automation and offshoring and machine learning and everything, are there are people in their 40s, 50s, 60s who are still, they still need to work, but they're basically being forced out of their occupations and they need to be reeducated. And I remember I was reading a similar article about the dock workers in Europe losing their jobs because they've automated the whole thing. And so the, you know, this guy was trying to find another job and he's like, I don't have any computer skills. They kept saying, Oh, do you know how to use Microsoft word? You know, use Excel and all this stuff. He's like, I've never touched a computer, never had to. So what's he supposed to do? He's been struggling to find anything whatsoever, but he still has to support his family. He still has to pay his mortgage and there really aren't retraining facilities available yet. There's some here and there, but I think it's a whole part of of the adult world that we've forgotten are these individuals that need to be re-educated, retrained, and still want to work for another 20 years. How can we make them part of this, this well, whole new economy? You say that, uh, you know, education is primarily for children, but, you know, uh, as I've gotten older, I've realized that um, who I consider a kid seems to get older and older every year. Is that unless you're in your nineties, yes. everyone else is, That's you know, true. like there's like always going to be somebody else that looks at you like a kid. Right. So, so how do you, how do you, um, but I think that's really about a mindset and sort of lifelong learning, but also companies taking responsibility for when you're hiring, looking for people. I mean, that's the, the thing that makes you successful at a place like Amazon or not, it's really about your mindset, not what you know going in the door. But companies have these ridiculous requirements on resumes rather than sort of evaluating, do you have the right sort of resilience and way of learning and 
sort of that's that's I think what companies, smart companies do is they look at that and then they develop people slowly and internally. And I think how do you create more on ramps onto that, as we were talking about with Chris Lafayette? So I think one part is to force some of these executives to live in the places where they put their office buildings or live, you know, like, you know, they're getting cheap, cheap rent in the tenderloin. Well, guess what, Reed Hoffman, you're going to live in the tenderloin if that's where you're putting your new, <laughs> your new startup. Uh, that's, that's true. If you eat your own dog food and live in the community, then you want to contribute to it and make it better. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, there, there definitely has been a, a gap between where people who, aren't making as much as these top executives have to live and the executives where they live. And it's, yeah, we've seen it in San Francisco too. It's like very few people can afford to actually live proper in the city. It's really expensive. Mm -hmm. So what's our big takeaway from this? How are we feeling about this zoom town phenomenon and what's, what's the long-term impact going to be? I feel like there's a really good sitcom (laughs) in in, in, in a zoom town. there's, There's probably a very, I think it's um, interesting, but having sort of lived that Zoom town life for about a month now, I mean, our, like, I can't see a house from where we are, right? With the golden horde, my, my three children and the dog and everything else downstairs, it's pretty isolating. And uh, you don't get to just even seeing cars drive by. You miss that, right? That's hard. Um, I, I think it's sort of buyer beware. That's a good point. I was going to say, I think one of the things that we did before we decided to move up here is we spent, gosh, probably a year coming up here every few weeks or a month, uh, getting to know what we're really getting into. Like how remote is it? What's it really like? You know, just yesterday I had to clean up a bunch of stuff that a bear messed up in our yard. (laughs) So it's like, you know, taking a walk at night and hearing something going "Oh, that's a bear. There's a bear in the trees about 20 feet from me, you know, and knowing, knowing what you're getting into before you commit, because it is, as we were saying, as Anna was saying too, it's like, once you leave, it's really hard to go back. It's really hard to reverse that and put the, the genie back in the bottle. So I think before people commit, there's a, there's a big difference between vacationing somewhere and living somewhere. And that is the biggest mistake I think people make. And people who vacation somewhere and they're like, Oh, you know, it'd be fun to open a bar here. I'd love to run a bar here. That'd be so much fun. It's like, do you know what it's really like to a live there and b run a bar? You might want to, you might want to really think about that. It's a euphemism for saying, I want to be poor. I want to die poor is I'm going to open a bar. Yeah. Sometimes the fantasy is better than the reality. Um, you see it all the time when people move down here because they retire, they want to retire here. And it's like, they love the beaches and all this stuff. But then it's like, they forget that people rip you off because you're white or gullible, or there's like standard operating procedures in the culture that everybody understands, except you. And then it's just the upward hill. And then you don't trust the locals anymore because they keep ripping you off. And so now you're just isolated with all your expat friends. But then the expat friend, it's like, didn't you want to leave this? So it's like a, a vicious circle sometimes um, by not being prepared in 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 doing, you know, what you said, Larry, uh, the research into a different community, a different environment. Um, definitely research is key. And how, how well you're going to be able to enculturate yourself. You know, out here in rural Pennsylvania, I can guarantee you uh, that uh, I've had 
I've been asked what my pronouns are zero times uh, since I moved here to rural Pennsylvania, right? Like yeah. it's a big change. It's a big yeah, change from Seattle. It's a, and, and um, you know, being able to switch pretty, pretty easily between that and kind of understand and meet people where they're at. But, you know, if you expect your Sunday New York Times and, you know, your bagel from the little joint down the way that people know your name and the coffee and going to the Costco that you like and all that kind of stuff, you're going to give a lot of that up. So Zoom towns have a dark side. Oh, yeah. I just want to mention there's like there are no bagel places here in Costa Rica, like or pretzel place off the list, off the list. Or I I remember I went to Las Vegas for a, a business conference and that was the first time I had a blueberry muffin since Singapore. And I was sitting there enjoying this blueberry muffin like never before to the point where guys or like people on the trade show floor were walking by and you're like, and they actually commented. They're like, wow, I've never seen anybody so happy eating a muffin before. So these are the simple pleasures that I strive for whenever I come to America. <laughs> right. But I think there's, there is an upside to not having good bagels is that you immediately filter out the people, the annoying people that go someplace and then bitch about not having bagels. Right. True. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I mean, it sounds like there's a lot more to, to dive in on here, uh, but you know, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens with Zoom Towns. So, yeah, the the amazing thing about this is that it's kind of like real time updates in the sense that we don't know if they turn no. into complete disarray in five years or less than that, or it's actually a yeah. booming economy that it became a better town and it's no longer kind of like considered a a rust belt. Uh, so it's it's going to be interesting for sure. Uh, I think in the future episodes, we're looking at including a realtor onto the show to talk about more about the great exodus yeah. that um, they're seeing. And uh, what other upcoming shows do we have in the works, you guys? Well, it could be tough to get the realtors. They're so busy right now. I asked mine. <laughs> yeah, uh, they are and busy. She's like, no, no, not doing that. <laughs> like, because it's like she's got so much, there's so much going on in her world right now. But yeah, we're going to talk about the the real estate. I think we're, we're going to revisit some of the things that are going on um, with schools and sort of this stateless, like can't get you know, where do you go and why does school, why are schools stuck to a district? Um, Larry, there were some, we have got some guests that yeah, are in the pipeline. We uh, we've got some people that are talking about the challenges of remote management or actually one of my former diamonds in the coal mine, uh, who is now going to medical school, uh, wasn't good enough to go from the, from the factory floor to, to UX at Amazon, but he's going to medical school now. That's cool. Uh, wants to come back. I don't know what that says about, about the medical experience. system though. <laughs> oh, the guy's brilliant. Like, I mean, yeah, it's an interesting <laughs> okay. story. So we're going to have him on and Larry, you, you have some guests lined up. Yeah, we have we have a couple people coming that are actually part of the solution. So they have companies that are creating the software that I think is going to power this new remote world and they're trying to make it better. They're trying to make it more usable. We've all realized that the current tools are they're helping us limp along, but they're not the ultimate solution. So I think if this is going to be the way that we're working for the rest of our working careers at least, Things have to get better. Tools have to get better. And yes. it sounds promising. And um, we are going to explore the vision for smart cities. What does that look like? Um, we're, we have scheduling conflicts with the woman in South Africa, but we're trying to get uh, her on. So that's that's what we're trying to do there. 
And I don't know, where can they find us, uh, Trip or Larry? Well, I was just going to say, if, if that sounds intriguing to you, then you should subscribe to the show so that you can be notified about upcoming episodes. You can learn more at thebraveworkforce.com and bravenewcompanies.com. And if you think you're way more interesting than any of those people we talked about, we would love you to reach out and pitch us. Talk to, tell us what you want to hear about. Tell us if you think we should be talking to you about some of these big Please ideas. Do. Yes. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. If you have any questions, we're, we've answered a couple of our listener questions already on the show. Um, feel free to send an email to me at Anna at thebraveworkforce.com. I read every email I get. Thanks for everything. Have a great week and keep putting one foot in front of the other. The connectivity will eventually get better. Okay, sweater vest dad. 